everyone needs to have the wherewithal and know how to be able to eat, you know, eat better, to move better, to be able to, to have, you know, the tools and education for self-care, for self-relationships and interpersonal relationships and understanding that, you know, they are also part of a community. But on top of that, you know, I think what helps me thrive is helping them thrive in understanding what is their bigger purpose in their own lives. You know, why are they here? What is, you know, what fuels their fire? Why are they get up in the morning? You know what I'm saying? And turning on those light bulbs and seeing those reactions and those aha moments and, you know, saying to me like, hey, doc, you know, this has been monumental um, you know, in my life. And, you know, if you follow Tony Robbins, you know, a lot of life changing moments really just happen in a moment, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't need to take time, but it takes the combination of doing enough self work, you know, serendipitous, you know, moments and opportunity and really putting in the blood, sweat and tears to work towards something to have something change for you. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and each week we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose, people who are sharing their gifts, being in service of others, taking risks, living against the grain, and thankfully redefining the paradigms of society. Today, our guest is Dr. Colin Zhu. He is a double board certified family and lifestyle medicine physician and one of the cutting edge doctors in the plant-based telehealth family. In addition, he is a public speaker, podcast host of Thrive Bites, creator of Thrive Formula and its coinciding masterclass. He is a culinary chef and author of Thrive Medicine, How to Cultivate Your Desires and Elevate Your Life. We like that. We want to dive into that subtitle. Uh, his purpose has manifested into the Chef Doc website, an informational portal of resources born in 2017 out of a realization that he needed to assist others in combating chronic lifestyle-related disease and fill the deficit he recognized in medical schools and medical training across the nation. Dr. Zhu, an osteopathic doctor, heavily influenced by his mother, a traditional Chinese medical doctor, is combining the qualities of compassion and holism with the healing benefits of a whole food plant-based diet to assist people in reaching higher states of health. Dr. Zhu lives the demonstration of health and well-being for others to follow and dares us all to choose a life that allows us to thrive. Dr. Zhu, welcome to the show. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> You're awesome. You know, we, um, Linda, our production assistant, had sent you know the reminder email yesterday, and you replied, and then I my eyes hooked in on your signature, and I was like, whoa, I got to start clicking here because I've been listening to some podcasts that you've been on, um, but I had just just learned yesterday about the Thrive Formula and the masterclass yeah. that you've developed, and it just seems like there's no end to um to these offerings uh and so i guess like let's just dive into that like how do you keep offering all of these things meaning like do you get the hits from within and you say like oh i gotta put that together is it you know obviously you're a medical doctor so you've got a lot of strong intellect but where does the heart come in in driving forward your initiatives Mm, it's a very good question to start off um so before I can answer that, I guess, you know, just to kind of bring it back home, um, you know, I like to start off by saying, you know, my mother, you know, kind of inspires me. Um, you know, she's a traditional, uh, you know, medical doc, uh, Chinese medical doc. Um, and I didn't come from a long line of MDs. 
Um, and so growing up working in our office, um, you know, you really see the values that are really, uh, really, really beautifully conveyed in, you know, compassion and empathy. And she really taught me from, you know, how to look at a person in a very holistic manner. So I went into school, you know, thinking I was going to blend Eastern and Western philosophies. You know, I chose osteopathy because uh, beyond allopathic medicine, you know, it involves, you know, our hands to be able to diagnose and treat. Um, that's how we are, you know, different as DOs versus MDs. And then somewhere along the line, um, I'm sure a lot of our medical colleagues that you've had on the show um, and those that are listening can attest to and, uh, and agree with is that, you know, there wasn't really that much nutritional slash lifestyle, um, you know, medical educational curricula uh, being taught to us. It was mostly about, um, you know, how disease forms and, you know, less about um, how to cultivate wellness. Um, and so when I followed a lot of my predecessors, I was like, wow, there's like a, a, a component, you know, whether it's heart disease or diabetes, you know, in every single patient, no matter what came through the door. And so I pretty much made a lot of detours <laughs> after I graduated school. Um, you know, like you said, in the, the really nice uh, uh, intro, I went into culinary school, I got certified in health coaching. And then on a deeper journey, I just started a lot of self work, um, you know, reading a lot of books, traveling around the world, um, especially, you know, in solitude. And this was way before COVID. Um, and looking back, humbly, you know, I've been you know, really blessed to kind of have those experiences. Who knows going forward how much, you know, um, how much deeply and freely we can do that with everything going on. Um, but yeah, that all kind of, you know, really went into me. Um, and then crossing paths with, you know, future mentors and, you know, different walks of life. And um, that really cultivated, you know, me starting the Chef Doc, you know, which was the anchor, you know, uh, four years ago. And then the book came and then the podcast came and then the Masterclass series uh, was the latest venture this year. So. So when was, do you remember like the moment where like Chef Doc was born? Ooh, that's a good one. Like when you said, I got to I got to move forward with this. Like I have to do this. Well, the the I don't think there was a defining moment per se. I think that was born out of uh, out of you know my professional frustration, where you know in um, in school and training, and then eventually into my professional career, where you know I m mostly worked in you know an office and a clinic type setting. I wasn't really a big fan of hospitals, and so because I really I really love the rapport and the relationship building with my patients, but I. Think found it to be very inefficient and sometimes very ineffective because, you know, in our modern healthcare, you know, system, we're only given a certain amount of time, um, probably on average, maybe like seven minutes per, you know, patient visit. And in that time, depending on who comes in, you know, you have to combine, you know, education, um, you know, making sure, you know, the patient is informed in decision-making, going over their meds, going over referrals, um, you know, and then if you're lucky, you know, any, anything on top of that in terms of education and then setting up them up for something else. So it's just not enough time. And so add to that, you know, when doctors are not trained enough in terms of school and they're not as confident enough to dispense the information and then add on top of that, when you look at surveys, you know, two thirds of patients still 
look up to their primary care physician and or their doctor as their main source of information. Nowadays, we have Google, right? Um, so if you combine all that, it's almost like you're set up to fail from the patient's end and then also from the provider's end, right? And so the idea of the chef doc was kind of to create an avatar where people can go to um, as kind of like a gateway to you know, branch out, you know, to learn more, to, you know, click that light bulb on, to, you know, go on to something else. And, um, you know, I do my best to kind of make it a one-stop shop, you know, but if not, it leads to somewhere where, um, another place where it's more, you know, it's credible, you know what I'm saying? Because we deal with a lot of misinformation as well, um, especially in a nutritional world, you know? So, um, so yeah. So why the, I'm curious on the, the culinary avenue versus strictly going into like nutrition, but I'm, I'm assuming culinary had some nutritional information in there, but going down a hardcore need to know about the macros and all that versus like how to, how to prepare your food and, and handle food and oh, yeah. what foods. Yeah. So what was, what was that defining? What was that definitive split? That definitive split um, was the reason, like, you know, nutrition is an evolving science. It's ever-changing, right? And you can learn it in so many different ways. I felt like I needed to know deeper uh, and more profoundly about not just nutrition, but where did food come from? Where does the nutrition come from? And understanding the concept that, you know, everything is not singular components. You know, Mother Nature didn't create just a vitamin and just a mineral. It created things wrapped around these components, right? So that's that's the whole concept of whole foods plant-based as opposed to, you know, just thinking about things in singular components. Because when you look, when we have our bodies, right, we talked about you know, our mindsets and, you know, bodies, you know, everything is connected. You know, we are more and more convinced, um, uh, not necessarily convinced, it's probably not the best word, but, you know, we are more uh, understanding of the concepts that our emotional, physical, and mental health are all interconnected, right? If, I mean, if we had this conversation even five or 10 years ago, it's more of a disparate idea. You know, it's more of like, eh, I'm not so sure. But now we have like things like the microbiome and gut health and, you know, everything connecting, you know, for example, gut health to, to, to brain health, you know, things like that as an example. Um, but going back, it's like, you can't understand nutrition if you don't understand the food and you can't understand food if you don't understand where it comes from, right? And how it's prepared, how it's sourced and plating and everything coming together. And so, you know, the culinary arts just made a lot of sense. However, you have to look at how it's taught, right? Most culinary schools are based off of the French technique, right? Nothing wrong with that. But, um, and they're very, very well versed in terms of how it's prepared, how, you know, things are flavored and how things taste. But I specifically chose a uh, um, a culinary school that was more health supportive and plant-based. So I enrolled myself into the Natural Gourmet Institute, and that was pretty much started in the 70s in Manhattan, in New York City, um, pioneered by Anne-Marie Colbin. She was a PhD and um, very pioneer in her time. And, um, you know, since uh, that school got acquired by the Institute of Culinary Education, and they continue that mission of hers. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely does. Yeah, I, I think an understanding of food is like so simple, yet it can be so um, it can be so profound in someone who's willing, who wants to make change, who wants to you know change their diet. 
I think what's what's easy is like you just go to the store and you look on the back of a package and the processed food and it says, you know, this is all the breakdown and you're like, okay, well, I don't have much time to prepare. I'm going to grab the simple food and it seems healthy. It says healthy on it. I'm going to take it home. And yeah. that's the quick fix, right? And I, and I think the basics, I was just talking about this on our team, our, our group of athletes talking to them live about, you know, what we have to fuel ourselves leading into a workout. And it's really basic. Like we were all like a banana, a piece of toast with peanut butter and banana on top of it. And it really wasn't complicated. It was really just like, why do we have to make it so, <laughs> so complicated? What complicated, you know, why can't it be simple? I think bananas are like the simplest form of fuel. It's perfect packaging. Um, so yeah, I totally get it. I think that's, I think that's um, a brave way to go. Cause I, I think, or I've seen many avenues of wanting to understand how many calories a person would need in order to sustain their energy throughout the day and lose weight and be able to to still be active. So I think understanding your source is is actually a, a pretty amazing way to, to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's three components to it and it's very, it's very easy to point the finger at someone else. So for me, it's like I divide into thirds, you know, you have the person, you know, the patient, the customer, the client, right. Um, that is, you know, making these food choices on a daily basis. So what's interesting about food is that, you know, like smoking and alcohol, we can live without it. Right. But we can't live without food. Right. And so we are constantly thinking about making these day to day decisions, sometimes by a minute to minute decisions about what to prepare in the breakfast, what to prepare for lunch, on the go, snacking, you know, things like that. And so it becomes a very um, tumultuous, you know, thing to go about. And, and then not only are you thinking about yourself, but you're also thinking about family. Maybe you have a family, a significant other, uh, grandparents, things like that. So that's one component. That's a third. The second third is, you know, you have a food industry, right? That, um, you know, for, you know, I, I don't like to generalize, but at the end of the day, they're a business, right? Um, and, you know, they're creating, you know, food-like products, right? Depending on which, you know, which one you're talking about, you know? Um, and so what makes, makes up the standard American diet is, you know, a lot of businesses that are just making, you know, food, quote unquote, but not looking after your health. And then you have the other third where you have the health industry, where, you know, they are, you know, going about their thing, but they're not paying attention to, you know, your food. You know what I'm saying? So you have a lot of um, different parties that are thinking about something else, you know? So it, to me, I, I work from the standpoint where, you know, I'm about empowering the patient because they're the ones that are making the decisions if you inform them enough, right? And then they're the ones that are putting things into their bodies, right? Um, and so, you know, you have to empower the patient. So that's why a lot of what the chef doc is, is really educational purposes, you know what I'm saying? And I think that the more in uh, education you can empower yourself with, then you can make, you know, better informed decisions. Yeah, it's going to lend to a degree of confidence, and to hear a doctor say that you're, you know, well, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, what you were saying is like really part of your job is to empower patients, right? That's how you go about it. But when you look at um, the, the Western model, the one that we're all agreeing, like, how can this be sustainable? You know, people are not getting better for the most part. They're being put on drugs for the rest of their life, et cetera. And that feels very uh, powerless, 
very yeah. powerless. Um, and to have a doctor, I always say a good sign of like um, a practitioner, whether it's a massage therapist or a chiropractor or a doctor is like, their goal is to not see you again. You know, they, yeah. they don't, I used to say that to my massage clients, like, I don't want to see you every week. Like, let's yeah. do this. We'll, we'll front load the healing. We'll do this. You know, you do, you do your part on your end when you walk out the door and then, you know, I'll see you once a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, so how do you empower somebody who comes to you? Let's, let's get, take a scenario. Like they come to you after feeling really powerless in a system that wasn't helping them get better. How do you begin to empower them? Well, I kind of start off by, you know, understanding, you know, what their pain points are, you know, what, you know, the hurdles and obstacles that they have, you know, gone through. And then I also, you know, try to understand their educational, you know, level about certain topics, you know, whether it's their chronic diseases, whether it's about food, nutrition, um, you know, just so I have an understanding of how they take information in and then where I can fill in the gaps, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I see patients, you know, virtually now. And so, you know, I do my, and, you know, time is a lot more. <laughs> it's more than, you know, I've more control of the time and, uh, you know, it's more flexible. And so I have more, uh, more engagement with them, you know? So once I have those two pieces of information, then I can kind of, that's where the baseline starts. And that's where I can, you know, kind of start, um, you know, working with them. But honestly, it's really about, you know, basic stuff, you know? just listening. You know, we spend an average of, oh, I don't know, 17 seconds um, is where we clocked it at, where, you know, a patient starts talking and then the doctor, you know, interrupts, you know, it's like, like literally 17 seconds into the conversation. And so a lot of it is, and it's not intentional point, you know, uh, it, from the doctor's point of view, it's, it, they're set up that way because they know that they have a certain amount of time that they need to, you know, get certain things in like, you know, Mr. Smith, I need to get your medications in order and check, you know, your labs. And so there's a certain, they have like a script in their head of what they want to do when they enter into the room. But a patient doesn't know that their patient just wants to kind of, in a way, you know, share, um, you know, be able to kind of unload, right, and express themselves at the end of the day. But when you are in a uh, setup where you don't have enough time to do that, then it's not really a win-win for both parties, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, to kind of empower them, um, you know, because I have more time to, you know, work with them, you know, I do my best to kind of listen and, um, you know, be able to redirect and refocus them and, you know, things like that um, when, you know, it gets longer, you know, than necessary. So, but yeah, it's, um, you do your best to kind of listen, to have no judgment, um, to empathize with them, um, and to listen from a, you know, level of compassion and doing your best to put yourself in their shoes as much as, you know, you can. Um, so yeah. I like to say, uh, as, as a, you know, on the, on the patient side, or I guess anybody, um, are they doing the best they can with the information they have? Like, with the amount of information, are they trying the best that they can? And I'm sure you see patients that come in and have this belief around maybe what they've been told. Like, I need to have this particular prescription. I cannot eat, you know, these mm -hmm. kind of leafy greens because of that. And so they've, mm -hmm. they've built a strong, like, belief around that. And then they're coming to you and you're, and you're listening to this. You're listening to the story, the belief system. 
And then you can s- sort of see that their attachment to it. So they're attached yeah. to how mm-hmm. they believe it should be. And then you need to kind of open up the, uh, the light, you could say, like be yeah. <laughs> that there's more things possible. Are you confronted many times with resistance or I, I mean, I'm sure they're coming to you because they're looking for something else, but we always butt up against our, our ingrained belief systems. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, as a family doc, you know, um, I, I really enjoy the specialty because I don't know what comes through the door at the end of the day. Uh, I think I would be really bored as a specialist. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've met all kinds of people. You know, I've met, you know, hardcore carnivores to extreme vegans and everyone in between. And so I don't really push them one way or another. I do my best to kind of meet them where they're at. And for me, it's more about progress over perfection. So if you can just move if you imagine like you standing you know on a field right or on a beach you know just like a wide area right and you're in a straight line you're just you know walking 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 and then i ask you to shift yourself you know 1 degree right and you know for and then ask you to start walking straight after you shifted you know 1 degree you know off and i ask you to start walking straight Eventually, in the short term, it may not seem like it, but eventually you'll just end up in a different direction, you know? So the point is, is that, you know, I, I want them to focus on progress, not perfection. And, you know, I do it in a very, you know, non-judgment, uh, judgmental point of view. And so like when they are attached to certain things or they're, you know, depending on what level of motivational change they're at, um, I just work with it. You know, I'm saying, and I don't push it, you know, so if I, if I have a patient, for example, you know, that is more hard set on, you know, wanting medications and wanting referrals and procedures, then I don't fight them on it. You know, when things are medically necessary, then we'll do it in that way. But when you encounter a patient that, you know, um, wants to make changes, but doesn't have the resource, right, then, you know, there's something to work with. And then you have another third set where, you know, they've done all they can, they're just open and hungry for more information, then that's easier for me to, you know, work with. So I've worked with the whole gamut. um, So and I don't try to butt up with them, you know, I go, you know, it's like water, you know, you try to go with the least resistance, you know what I'm saying? So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. We've been, we've been using the phrase Wu Wei around this house a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's from the Tao, you know, and it's, Uh it's surrender, but that doesn't mean no action. Right, like I mean, we take action, but we we stop fighting what is. So, however, the patient is showing up to you, even if you can see this whole other way that they could show up to you, it's not fighting the way they're showing up to you, and then doing the best you can to continue to uh, introduce perspectives, ha- um, behaviors that could become better habits. Right, right, and I also like to add where you know, in a traditional medical visit, it's like. Uh, patients don't really have much of control of like where the direction of their going, you know, where they're going. Whereas the provider, it's like, oh, Mr. Smith, I want to get your diabetes numbers down or, you know, I want to get your cholesterol levels down. I want to get your blood pressure down, you know. So the provider, the doctor um, has an idea of where they want to go. You know, they want to try to meet certain parameters and numbers and certain outcomes. But it's, you know, when, uh, you know, when I've gone through my health coaching, you know, uh, experiences and, you know, when you are meeting people from a coaching point of view, 
you know, no one really gets to ask them, Mr. Smith, what are your goals, right? Maybe not so much their goals are, it's important for their, you know, numbers to be at a certain range, but maybe their goals are, you know, I maybe want to live long enough to be able to see my granddaughter, you know, you know, walk down the aisle or have, you know, see my daughter get married. And, you know, they, they have certain goals. And so it's like, you have to also bring up to the forefront, you know, what are their goals at the end of the day? What do they want to get out of it? Um, so that way you have something to target, um, not just numbers, you know, that you have the person in mind, uh, for them to target. Yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> it also, first of all, let me finish what I was going to say. That is, it shouldn't be, but that's kind of a groundbreaking perspective from a doctor, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it really, it shouldn't be, but it is. And, you know, people like you, uh, Dr. Marbus, who we had on the show, who I think we all share uh, an affection for. She's amazing. Love her passion, love her power, love her purpose, um, love what she's created. Uh, yes, what you do is you help, you assist them for those that don't, you know, have their three top goals in life. You assist them in clarifying what it is that they want in this life. And yeah. it always floors me, no matter how many times I've asked the question, that 90% of the time I don't get a clear cut answer. I don't think that we take time for ourselves to really get clear on what it is that we want in this life. Yeah. You know, what are our goals in this life? So I guess I'm going to turn that question. I thank you for bringing it back up because I'm going to turn it back on you. Like what, what do you want to see as far as like what you're providing in the world? Like what are your goals for what it is that you're bringing to your patients and to, and to the fellow docs at plant-based telehealth? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, with the chef doc specifically, the the mission and uh, the mission and uh, value, I guess, statement with it is to be able to inspire and impact um, as many as possible while creatively and authentically expressing myself. So, meaning that you know my goals um, are aligned with you know what I'm creating. It's in a full expression of myself, and at the same time, it helps someone else, and also creates a ripple effect. You know, um, because they can help someone else, and you know, create that exponential effect. That would—that's my overall goal with it. Um, with plant-based uh, telehealth, um, I think it's a, you know, ingenious. Uh, you know, application of lifestyle medicine, um, you know, even though they're, you know, you know, young and new, um, from Anthony and, and Dr. Lori Marbus, um, you know, to be able to do, you know, um, we are licensed in all 50 States, um, including myself, we have eight great docs, um, there right now, uh, respectively, you know, very, very brilliant. And, uh, it's, um, it's, for me, it's finally a really nice practical application of actually taking lifestyle medicine. For those of you who don't know what lifestyle medicine is, it's using lifestyle uh, evidence-based approaches to prevent, treat, and reverse chronic lifestyle-related diseases. Um, you know, and actually using that application to help others. And I think it's um, a great uh, opportunity because we're in a pandemic world where everything is virtual, right? And so now we're able to counsel and coach people uh, from a virtual and remote standpoint and be able to help others um, in that regard. So um, yeah, uh, it's it's very similar. You know, it's it's able to kind of I can do full time 
of what I've been doing, you know, traditionally in a family doc sense and just hyper focus on that, you know, which I've always wanted to do, you know. Um, I just think that it brings more satisfaction for me. It brings more satisfaction for the patient because I know that when I was, you know, fully working as a traditional doc and I just talk about an educating lifestyle and going plant-based and all that stuff. And even talking about changing mindsets, um, you see the, the patient, you see the opposite person's eyes light up, right? And they realize and they realize what's important in their lives. They realize, you know, what's essential because I bring it back home for them, you know, in my own way. I just bring it back home for them in the forefront of, you know, what do you really want? What is very important to you? What do you prioritize in your life? You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, how can we get towards you saying, I don't want to have regrets in my life, you know, because that's what I'm about, you know, like I, for me personally, I've lived a really humbled, um, humbling and grand life that if I were to die tomorrow, I'll be fine. I have no regrets, you know? So, um, you know, I want to be able to get that, you know, with the work of the chef doc and with, you know, the work of plant-based telehealth. So how do you continue to cultivate your authentic self? Like, cause I think it's really, I think it's really, um, powerful to do that. But I also see when you immerse yourself in, in others and, and serving others and being the best for others, we can go yeah. down that path of, sacrificing what's what's good for us inside so how do you how do you for do sure yeah for sure um it takes a lot of self-work <laughs> you know mine started like a decade ago um so and it's the combination of lots of books lots of conventions meeting a lot of you know great beautiful people um and uh, it's really asking the hard questions and it's really doing the deep inner work you know and coming face to face with not just your ego, but, you know, your demons and your, uh, quote unquote weaknesses and negative talk and self-limiting beliefs, like all of it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, just <laughs> humbling yourself with all that, humbling yourself with all that. And at the end of the day, saying yourself that, you know, obviously everyone, and I respect everyone's, you know, uh, spiritual slash religious, you know, perspective, but it's kind of like, I see it as more of like energy, you know, energy can neither be created or destroyed. It's just transformed into something else. And I just see myself as more of like a, a form of energy in this whole globe, you know, interconnected with everyone else. You know, if you, I like using the analogy of a spider web and, you know, if you touch one end of a spider web, it, you know, has an effect on something far reaching on the other side of the spider web. It's the same concept, you know, with, uh, energy as human beings, you know, with also plant life and animal life and, you know, everything, you know. And so understanding what you say to yourself, what you don't say to yourself, what you do, what you don't do has a grand effect on almost everything around you and everyone around you, you know. So when you have that understanding, then, um, you know, the next step is, is, is I guess, I like that Spider-Man quote, you know, for those that are into comics, but, you know, that, that famous Spider-Man quote, um, you know, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and it's understanding that when you understand you have that kind of effect on people, um, you know, it's, I think it's a responsibility and a duty to do yourself well, meaning like practice enough self-care, um, you know, whatever that 
is for you, whatever form that takes, whether it's yoga or physical activity or meditation or journaling or um, anything, you know, um, having that time for yourself and, and, and doing that, making that a practice. Have I fallen off the bandwagon at times? Of course, you know, like everyone else. Have I had, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, negative self-talk? I've had imposter syndrome before. I've had, you know, I battle through chronic anxiety. You know, I have OCD, you know. So, like, you know, I have a lot of, uh, you know, areas of improvement for myself. And everyone's going to be different. Um, and also the compare and contrast game, you know. And we live in a virtual world, you know, social media, internet. And it's very easy to say that you're not enough, um, or you're not good enough, or you don't have enough, or you don't know enough. And, you know, it just keeps going. So it's a lot of work. Um, but it's starting with saying to yourself, it's okay where I'm at right now, and to just build upon it, right? You know, um, it's that uh, ancient proverb where the journey of 10,000 steps starts with the first step. So, Well, you're, you're subscribing to your philosophy of progress over perfection, that we are all exactly where we need to be. And if I'm in the midst of a lot of negative self-talk or imposter syndrome, it's, oh, I'm exactly where I need to be right now for whatever that next step that I need to take or that next piece of clarity that I'm I'm going to receive. So do you have, um, do you have like a morning routine that you tend to follow? Um... I would need to. Uh, no, my 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 morning routine is is um, you know I wake up in the morning. Um, you know I have uh, you know I have my cup of coffee and um, you know my ideal morning routines would be setting that intention of what I want to get out of the day. Sometimes I would have a little prayer um, in terms of. You know, like for me, I, you know, just talk with the universe and I just say, you know, be able to kind of grant me the strength through to be able to get over this challenge or this obstacle or to have, you know, um, what you want or desire in that day. You know what I'm saying? And keeping it simple, um, always, always keeping it simple because for an individual like me, I could easily overcomplicate things, overthink things, you know, so it's understanding you know, not necessarily where your weaknesses or limitations are, but it's more understanding where your habits are and where your patterns and tendencies are. So in order to have good, effective, positive behavioral change and lifestyle change for yourself, which is, you know, where it really comes down to um, bare bones is understanding how we could change that, you know, at the end of the day. So again, that also takes a lot of self-reflection. Um, and, and understanding of yourself. Yeah, well, it's when we're in that, co- we would say contrast, right? When we're in like recognizing like, oh, this is a habit I have that is not so great for the life that I want to live. It immediately right. opens us up to the opposite habit, which will drive us in the direction of what we want. So we, you know, this labeling of like, oh, a bad habit or a good habit and more of just in- empowering, to use your word, empowering people to just observe as they move through their day. And, you know, that's really was so life-changing for me was like, well, hold on a second, hold on a second here. Like, I want to see a peaceful, loving, kind world. And, okay, now what am I contributing? Because like you, I believe that if I 
hit the you know, a speck of that spider web, it's gonna, there's gonna be a ripple effect through all of it, right? That my energy matters in each moment. And when I just started to watch the words or the thoughts or the actions, I realized that it wasn't always lining up with what I wanted to see in the world. So it gave me that opportunity to see where I could clear it up, where I could have grace for some bad habits that needed time to burn off. Um, and, uh, but if we're able to kind of remove the heftiness of like that's bad and that's good. Then we're able to just kind of see, okay, here's where we are, here's where I want to go, and what needs to be cleaned up in order for me to head in that direction. Yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, no matter where you are at in your self-work slash wellness journey, it's coming back to understanding that you are part of a larger community, a global community, um, a collective, if you will. You know, um, you know, I don't necessarily want to go down the, the rabbit hole, but when you look at, you know, the pandemic, uh, Black Lives Matter, systemic racism, wars, politics, things like that, the common denominator out of all these, you know, discussions, I'm going to use the most neutral word <laughs> is discussions, <laughs> is the fact that, you know, how, if you look at how people think, it's like they're either operating from self or they're e- operating from, you know, understanding that they're part of a collective. So the reason why you have so many debates is because, you know, uh, we have less people, um, you know, thinking about the bigger, bigger picture. You know, I'm a big picture uh, oriented type of guy. So like, you know, I cannot operate, I could not even be here without, for example, you know, you know, you talked about my intro. I could have not been here without, you know, all these great, fine, brilliant, you know, people that have been my family members, my friends, my mentors, you know, loved ones, things like that. Um, I stand on the support of others, you know, and my role is also supporting others. So it's like a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how the energy transfers, like the paying for it. You're you know, when you say pay forward, that could be like something material, that could be something in terms of currency, that could be time, right? So in a way, when you think about, you know, the different challenges and struggles that we have in our world, it's going back to, you know, asking the question, you know, am I having this type of mindset and thinking about how I go about my life um, and entering into these discussions, you know, from myself, from a self perspective, you know, from like an ego standpoint, point of view um and or am i thinking about the whole collective you know what i'm saying i think you know that's one of the biggest things that separates us from animals is the ego you know the the, the consciousness and you know having that self you know what i'm saying so um so yeah yeah i i, I think understanding the self is understanding the collective like if you because we're all inside we're all Stress. we're all connect we're all like so when you say like i'm being selfish well or not, you're saying selfish, but if someone says that, no, you're working on yourself because when you work on yourself, you're helping, you're helping everyone else. So the energy is is yeah. all connected. It's the, it's like that resistance to what is that causes frustration and anger and anxiety that things aren't a certain way. So you mentioned the, the disruption or the dis, disagreements that are going on. It's because there's a resistance. There's like, there's there's something inside that doesn't feel connected, and and so yeah. then that trickles mm-hmm. down to. They don't feel connected. And then it's that ripple effect in the other way. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So instead of, you know, I think we are more apt to pointing fingers of why we feel a certain level of angst and frustration and, you know, all that, all that stuff. But as opposed to having more of a self-reflecting 
uh, point of view and say like, you know, where's the source of my frustration and where's the source of my emotional turmoil and resistance, you know, like you said. So um, that way you have more of a inward um, uh, reflection and experience because, you know, our outer world is just a reflection of our inner world at the end of the day. So Yes, it so is. True. You are speaking our language. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we're going to speak our language on a different on a different subject, uh, I'm looking behind you and I see race numbers and I see a medal and oh, I I see more Whoa, medals. More. <laughs> I, I mean, do you want to see? Do you want to see the whole wall? Yeah, I, let's I, see I, the wall. You guys are triathletes, right? Yeah, so you guys would appreciate this. Because I heard, I heard you say in a podcast that you uh, have done, you've dabbled in some triathlon. Oh my gosh! Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh Whoa. my god. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Dr. Zhu is showing us the room that he's in, which is essentially an awards gallery. Uh, <laughs> it's a hall. It's your own hall of fame. You go in there to get pumped up, don't you? That's your morning routine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So switching gears, um, you know, speaking from one triathlete to another. Uh, so I started. So I've been active. I haven't been on like college teams or anything like that. I just stayed active. You know. Um, I don't know if this, uh, this way, uh, this would matter, but like, I'm a, I'm a life path number five. So we are always in dynamic motion. Uh, I'm also a Pisces too. So like, you know, we're also, you know, move a lot and, uh, things like that. Um, having that wandering adventurous spirit. So I started doing triathlons back in 06, um, pretty much as I entered into medical school and, uh, definitely been addicted ever since. And from there, I just did a whole bunch of others, you know, from 5Ks to marathons, um, you know, like mud runs, obstacle races, all kinds of stuff, you know. And um, I just had this crazy goal of wanting to do a race, uh, a physical race in every state of America. And so um, a lot of things that I do is whenever I uh, go into a race, you know, I just collect the shirt and the medal, you know what I'm saying? So I, it's less about PRing for me. Um, it's less about the competition. It's more for the fun of it, uh, for more, uh, another way for me to be in the moment and also to kind of get inspired because nothing is more humbling, you know, when you're in a sport where, you know, you have a 75 year old and a 15 year old in the same race, right? And they both beat you, you know? So, you know, nothing is more, nothing is more humbling than that. Or another time where I was in a race where a father took his toddler on a triathlon through all three legs of the race and they still beat you. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, um, and, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic kind of, you know, had to like, there was a lot of cancellation of races and things like that. But yeah, I have a, I got a half coming up in Oklahoma, um, in October and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at Maine and New Hampshire for future races as well. So, oh, very cool. So, speaking from um, your experience as a triathlete, but also your knowledge as a doctor and a culinary chef, um, what do you feel or see or know as the benefits of eating a whole food, plant based diet for endurance athletes? 
Yeah. So I get this question of, you know, when I started and why I did it. And it started in 14, 2014, after um, my New York City marathon. And um, up until that time, I was training a lot uh, for obvious reasons. And I was getting a lot of joint pain and, you know, I was getting a lot of bloating sensations and uh, hip pain and things like that. And so I've been reading the research at that time, and I just said, you know, why not, you know? Um, and so after I switched, and this was, you know, after the the race, you know, I just realized that the bloating went away, um, you know, the joint pains went out, you know, was better, my car- recovery was better, you know what I'm saying? And so I just kind of stuck with it, you know, growing up in, uh, you know, my parents are both immigrants, you know, Chinese immigrants, and... Um, and I was very fortunate to have both of them cook, you know, uh, growing up. And so that was also a big reason why I went into culinary school was I just felt comfortable being in and out of the kitchen. And so, um, you know, um, you know, it wasn't that hard of a transition when you're brought up on Asian cuisine, because even even though we ate, you know, uh, meats and, you know, fish and things like that, everything was very balanced. You know, in the Asian culture, everything is about harm, you know harmony and balance and things like that. So you have equal distributions of food groups. So when I transitioned to whole foods plant-based, it wasn't really that hard as opposed to someone that's, you know, more used to meat and potatoes transitioning to just solely on plants, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you're the things that you noticed with your own body because we were endurance athletes before we went plant-based as well. And I think recovery is like the biggest... The biggest it's so thing, profound. like it's, coming off a yeah. race and just recover. Well, even even recovering from a hard workout, like how am I going to do tomorrow's workout? And you know, if you are, you know, I could come home and eat a bunch of chips and French fries and call it vegan. You know, call it a day. But yes. it's <laughs> yeah, it's putting together those meals that are going to offer me a variety of nutrients yeah. that are going to help to heal the body. What's some of your favorite, um, we were talking, BJ mentioned earlier at the beginning of our conversation that he was talking to our team this morning about nutrition. What are some of the ways that you like to fuel your workouts? Oh, fuel my workouts. Um, honestly, the quickest is really a smoothie. You know, I just take my Vitamix and put everything that I need, you know, into it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I don't really, the more, the less I have to think about it, the better. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, being where I'm at and what I have to do, everything is very cerebral. So if I have to think less, the better. So I usually have the same, you know, very similar, you know, um, items depending on what I have in my fridge and freezer. So I would have a base of uh, ginger, fresh garlic, two lemons uh, with the peel in, uh, two apples, two bananas, um, hemp seed, flax seed, chia seed, um, half of the, half of the, um, bl- uh, the, the container is either greens, um, and also, um, uh, frozen berries, um, as well. And, um, it could either just be filled with water, um, or, um, or some sort of uh, non-dairy, uh, milk. So what's up with the peels on the lemons? Um, a lot of the nutrition is in the peels, you know, a lot of the vitamin C is in the peels. So I just throw it in there. So, you know, obviously scrubbing it, you know, well enough, um, added fiber, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of things, uh, with 
the biggest component that we don't really talk about as much with whole food plant-based and vegetarian and vegan is really that the amount of fiber that you get and fiber is kind of like the missing nutrient um, that, you know, we don't talk about, talk about, but we need probably the most. And 3% of all Americans get their fiber intake needs. And so we're heavily, heavily deficient in it. And there's a lot of great authors and books out there, um, and then experts, you know, talking more and more about it because, you know, gut health is, you know, uh, very important. Our second quote unquote brain is there. 70% of our immune system is there. We have a direct highway from that to the brain uh, called the vagus nerve that connects. So literally anything that you put in your mouth either, you know, feeds disease or feeds your health and wellness. So it's super important to understand what you're putting in your mouth. So, and um, yeah, I'm more fan of a smoothie than juicing. So, because I, I really care about the fiber going in. So, and it's not really whole, and, you know, if you remove the, the fiber. So I'm going to try that smoothie. That thing sounds like a little, beast. I actually have lemon. Yeah. Um, try. I, yeah. I just want to know, quick hit on fiber. Like what are the three, yeah. three top benefits of fiber? Just because someone's like, oh, I never thought about, um, you know, focusing on fiber. I've been fo- focusing on how much protein I'm getting in my food. What's no, quick- nobody's doing that anymore. <laughs> they know hit? that's so old. That's old news. So why fiber? Uh, <laughs> uh, fiber. Um, so you have two things. You have soluble and insoluble fiber. And, uh, you know, the, the insoluble is what we see on the back end. The soluble is where, you know, it's, it's, it's what feeds the good uh, good promoting bacteria of our microbiome. And, uh, you know, we look for, um, uh, what one author calls, uh, um, postbiotics, which is basically the good benefits that is produced from these good forming bacteria. And those are called short chain fatty acids, right? And the benefits to answer your question would be, you know, weight loss would be, you know, uh, decreasing inflammatory markers would be lowering your cholesterol, uh, would be, you know, improving cardiovascular, you know, status. I mean, the list goes on. Um, but yeah, it's really, um, and it's, it's very satiating. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very satiating. Fiber is like literally, there's, there's absolutely zero fiber in animal products, you know? And, um, you know, the fiber only comes from plant food. And so, you know, we need that good benefit to feed that microbiome. Because at the end of the day, you know, a quick factoid about microbiome is that you are not just cells. There's actually, on a ratio from microorganisms and cells and human cells, there's actually 10, 9 to 10 microorganisms to one human cell. So in, in essence, you are just one gigantic super organism walking around. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so most of it is a synergistic, um, symbiotic relationship, you know, that we have all these other, you know, guys that are living within us helping us out. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, again, you know, what feeds, you know, what you put in your mouth is also feeding them as well. So you can actually turn them into, you know, bad, you know, like, uh, not like not health promoting back, um, you know, microbiome as well, depending on what you're feeding it. And that's what the, you know, studies and research are showing. So the better food you put into your body, the better food you're feeding them as well. So, right. So when people, I'll use myself as an example, a vegetarian for most of my life, but cheese was, you know, I was a big cheese addict. And I would always say, oh, I could never live without my cheese. And that's because I was feeding those microbiome, the cheese, and they needed more. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's studies where, um, you know, not to get on a tangent, where cheese, like eggs and seafood and meat, they produce um, toxic components called TMAO or choline, which, you know, uh, when you, you know, shortcutting all the biochemical, you know, reactions, they can actually be independent cardio toxicants. So, you know, and that's produced when you give them that food, you know what I'm saying? So it's super important, you know, understanding um, how you're feeding the guys within yourself, you know, so. As a doctor with, um, you know, so much experience, so uh, you've done so much study, you put so much information out there. Do you think there's a shift happening or do you still, do you think this core of this um, medical model, like, do you feel like it's shrinking? I mean, there's more and more doctors like you. I, what are you feeling? What's happening in the, um, in the collective? I, kinda, I, I would say, I would say yes. Um, it, it is hard to measure specifically. I see this in terms of, you know, because I'm part of, a, I'm part of a lot of lifestyle related, you know, groups on Facebook. I'm part of a lot of, you know, doctors that are looking for other avenues to kind of either boost up their own professional satisfaction um, who are just disenchanted and disillusioned with the whole healthcare system. Um, and then if you just look at all the misinformation, a positive silver lining of it is, well, if there wasn't a demand for it, then there wouldn't be all these quote unquote health experts popping up to promote misinformation. You know what I'm saying? If there wasn't a demand for it. So the demand is there. And there is older surveys that say that um, before a patient comes into a regular doctor's door, they've already, you know, two thirds of them have already sought out a alternative slash complementary slash integrative modality before they've, you know, you know, before they entered, you know, that traditional model's door. You know what I'm saying? So the demand is there. The shift is there. Um, and I see it on different uh, different ends, so to answer your question. And how long have you been with uh, Plant-Based Telehealth? Um, I'm the newest member of their group. I'm the newest member of their group. Um, the group overall has been in existence, I think, a little bit more than like a year and a half mm -hmm. now. And um, a lot of us are part of um, the group, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which I've been part of since I was a medical resident since 2013. Um, and they're a fabulous professional slash academic organization promoting lifestyle medicine. So um, so I've been doing this for, for some time now. Um, um, you would probably say, you know, from when I was a child, because, you know, I've been following, you know, a lot from my mother, you know what I'm saying? So um, how does it feel to be a part of a collective like this that's so aligned with you know, everybody's going to bring their their uniqueness mm -hmm. and their specialties, but to be yeah. in a collective of this plant based telehealth where anybody can, from you know, that has a, access to a computer or a phone, can now receive this information. From a professional point of view, it's very, um, it's very, uh, it's more of a sigh of relief uh, because you know, as a professional going into like a traditional doc going into you know, a traditional system and then looking for ways to to help the patient at the end of the day. It's all about patient care. Um, to, to look at other ways that are, you know, minimizing side effects, minimizing costs, um, you know, more beneficial, 
you know, and, and looking at, you know, all these, you know, basically essentially going through all these detours, you know, that I have, you know, and then you're entering into an organization where I did in 2013, where I felt like that was, you know, that's been my tribe, you know, like I'm in the same room with like-minded people, you know, um, because being a doc, you know, it can be a very lonely, um, and sequestering type of profession where, you know, if you think about it, it's like, if you just follow the straight path, you know, we basically sacrifice all of our twenties, um, you know, so you don't have much of a social life, um, you know, and a lot of us, you know, uh, you know, enter into a profession where you're the top of the food chain. And so you have, you know, you don't have enough chance to practice, you know, your twenties, your thirties, that's like, you know, your time to, you know, explore yourself and, you know, time to like really find yourself and stuff like that. You don't have that coupled with, you're in a very demanding profession. You're at the top of the food chain, a lot of decision-making, you know, you know, the buck stops with you. So, you know, it could be a very lonely, um, and burdening, you know, profession at times. And that's why a lot of, um, you know, those that are not in, uh, healthcare professions don't understand that, you know, physicians go through burnout. Physicians have very poor wellness. Uh, there's a lot of physician suicide. Um, you know, and it's not surprising, you know, the healthcare system before the pandemic, a lot of people switch, you know, and quit, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, to answer your question and drive it back to plant-based telehealth, it's very humbling to be with a team of people that understand that you don't have to explain yourself you know what I'm saying? And they all share the same values and emissions um, that you have, even though you are, um, you know, still having your individual practice, but you are working together as a team. Like right before this interview, you know, I had a team meeting with them. So, so it's, um, it's very humbling to kind of work in a team that's, you know, at the end of the day, a team where, you know, you have each other's back, you know, you interview Dr. Marvis, she's really there to, support you and to make sure that you get it because if you succeed then you know we succeed you know what i'm saying and um you know bring him back to what i've created the thrive formula which is a self-educational masterclass series um the slogan of it is ready to thrive together so it comes back to being part of the collective at the end of the day when you're working with these patients what is it about it that fills your cup Fills your cup of joy, like the essence of what just like lights you up at the end of the day. I think, you know, uh, fundamentally, I think, you know, everyone needs to have the know, the wherewithal and know how to be able to eat, you know, eat better, to move better, to be able to, to have, you know, the tools and education for self-care, for self-relationships and interpersonal relationships and understanding that, you know, they are also part of a community. But on top of that, you know, I think what helps me thrive is helping them thrive and understanding what is their bigger purpose in their own lives. You know, why are they here? What is, you know, what fuels their fire? Why do they get up in the morning? You know what I'm saying? And turning on, turning on those light bulbs and seeing those reactions and those aha moments and, you know, saying to me like, hey, doc, you know, this has been monumental um, you know, in my life. And, you know, if you follow Tony Robbins, you know, a lot of life changing moments really just happen in a moment, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't need to take time, but it takes the combination of doing enough self work, um, 
you know, serendipitous, you know, moments and opportunity and really putting in the blood, sweat and tears to work towards something to have something change for you. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay to rely on help. It's okay to say like, I, I can't do this on my own or to say that, you know, I need assistance, you know? So that's where I come in. That's where plant-based telehealth comes in. That's where, you know, I think, you know, if we can all be as global citizens, as human beings and being able to offer a hand instead of, you know, thinking about yourself less, you know, um, and offering a helping hand, I think we can, you know, be, you know, in a much better spot than where we are right now. So. Agreed. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up Beautiful. this conversation. Uh, we will put links to all those things that we talked about. So I highly encourage you guys go, go check out Chef Doc, go check out Thrive Five. Uh, the masterclass, everything, and of course, plant-based telehealth. Uh, we, you know, after we talked to Dr. Marbus, we you know stopped the recording, and she was just like, "Do you guys want to interview everyone on the team?" And we were like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then that's when everybody got the email, and you were the first one to. You were like, "I'm in," and. So our guests will uh, be able to look forward to um, having one of you guys every month uh, until oh, nice. until we run out, and then we'll just circle back through again <laughs> because the message is there, and and the collective is supportive of you know the message that we're sending out into the world. And super grateful for your time today, Doctor Zhu. Thank you so much for what you're bringing into the world. And um, yeah, you're up in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're in Carlsbad. We're in San Diego. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So at some point, maybe we'll cross paths in maybe the at physical. A race. Yeah, maybe at a race. Yeah. yeah there <laughs> we go. There you go. Now we're talking. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.